0: hey i'm hosting my next live webinar it's june 13th at noon eastern standard time head on over to heatherschauvin.com forward slash live it's called how to become time rich. The second one that I did, and I am going to be pulling back the curtains even more. I love teaching this stuff and showing you step-by-step how women are becoming time rich. So I'm going to use case studies from my own personal clients, who she was when she came in, who she is now, and the exact kind of mindset shifts, implementation, and who she needed to become in order to feel Time rich. So if this is you and you're like, fuck me, I need to figure this shit out, then head on over to Heather forward slash live. That's Heather Chauvin, dot com forward slash live. L I V E. How to become time rich for busy women managing people, raising children and deeply desiring more from life. All right, Connor, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You are like one of a few that I've actually had on this podcast. Men.
1: <laughs> I have not interviewed a lot of, of men. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm honored. I appreciate you having me on.
0: And part of the reason why I reached out to you is because my husband heard you speak. He's in a group. You spoke in that group. And not only was he advocating, like, he's a good speaker. I've been seeing, I've seen your name multiple times, but I'm raising three boys. And, you know, I'm into personal development. I do all this work. I'm a woman. My boys are 19. They keep changing. 19, 14, and 11. So 19 year old, I'm like, this is not, this is like out of my realm now. Like it is fascinating. So raising boys, um, trying to create space for not manipulating men to be women and women to be men. And I wanted to just have that conversation with you because we don't know what we don't know. So what do I need to know, Connor?
1: <laughs> About men in general? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that you know, after having worked with men, it's like the male experience is a is a different experience that I think a lot of women don't have context for. And I think part of that context, you know, we could probably summarize something along the lines of, you know, having grown up in an environment where there's a pressure to emotionally not suppress, but maybe ignore uh, what you're dealing with emotionally to sort of carry on and soldier through. And, you know, that gets demonized in our culture quite a bit, but sometimes it actually is valuable. You know, I think we don't actually look at the times and places where it is beneficial that a man actually sets aside how he's feeling about something to go and get something done and then return to it. I'm not saying ignore it entirely, but return to it. Um, And I think, you know, just generally speaking, like what, Boys and girls, men and women are going to go through during puberty, wildly different. I mean, my wife and I have talked about this a lot. We are raising a boy as well. And what a, what a young man will go through in puberty is a very wild thing that I don't think that we talk about. There's something called young man syndrome where between the ages of, of 15 and 28, roughly, you see a spike in accidental deaths and those types of things amongst men. You see the highest crime rates amongst men. You see all of these things start to happen because all of a sudden, this man has gone through being a boy and now into a man who has testosterone flooding through his veins and you know is just trying to figure out the world in a very different way than what a lot of young women experience. And so... Those are a couple things. I'm sure there's countless more, but we'll just drop yeah. those in.
0: Yeah, we're like, we'll start there. Um that what that brings up for me is the relationship between myself and my husband and raising a young man as he gets older and goes through that transition, I feel out of control, so then I try to control right? And I teach people like, look within, what are you trying to control? All of that, but not understanding his experience, which then can cause conflict in our relationship, our marriage, because my husband has a different perspective than I do, but I get mama bear and all of that. So how do we navigate that? And what do you say to the woman that's listening? Because I get this in my DMs all the time, like, I'm doing the work, and he's not doing it quick enough. Or he's he's not open to doing the work. And I'm like, but is that true? Mm.
1: Well, I think it also is important to just kind of put a little asterisk in here of, is the work that a man needs to do the same as you? Is it even the same work? I think sometimes what happens between men and women that are in relationship together is that Oftentimes a woman's like, you need to do the work and it should look like what I'm doing. And that man might actually need to do something very fundamentally different, right? So instead of like, going into a therapeutic environment and talking about what he's dealing with, he might need to go into a group of men and talk about what he's dealing with. He might need to go and develop a certain skill or competency that he feels he's lacking that's causing him to feel insecure and react and all those types of pieces. So I just want to drop that in there. I think on the control piece, what I usually say is a couple of things. Number one, where we control, we don't trust. Okay. So
0: repeat that, repeat that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Where we control, we don't trust. So anytime that we find ourselves trying to control another, the impact on the other side of that is undeniably going to be you don't trust me. And that is always going to elicit conflict, it's always going to elicit some type of rebuttal or defensiveness whether it's from your teenage boys or your partner, your husband, you know, there's somebody at work, et cetera. And so the hard thing for us is to reflect in and ask ourselves, why am I having a hard time trusting this person? Is it even about them? Why am I having a hard time trusting this person? Is it even about them? And what we'll find is, sure, sometimes they've made bad decisions. They've made choices that have maybe caused betrayal or hurt in our relationship or our marriage or whatever it is. But often, it's actually that we don't know how to let go. We are avoiding how we're feeling about our you know, our kids getting older and, you know, about to move out of the house. We're avoiding how we're feeling about being in a position of allowing and softening into our partner, making a a tough decision. You know, we're avoiding how we're feeling in terms of, oh, I want to trust this person, but that feels very hard because I've been betrayed in the past, whether it was by them or somebody else. And what generally happens is our, our childhood relationship to trust emerges in our relationship. And what ends up happening is we project relationship with mom or relationship to dad onto our partner. And we say, unconsciously, it's unsafe for me to trust you. And so I'm going to try and control you to get what I think needs to happen done. And that destroys intimacy. So we have to be able to step back. One of the biggest things that I can offer, and what I tell a lot of couples, my wife is a couples therapist and we work with couples all the time. What I tell couples all the time is admit that you are struggling to trust your partner and ask them what it's like for them. Just Mm -hmm. open the box, you know, start to talk about it. Like, listen, I'm having a hard time. Some of it maybe is because of you and your actions and decisions in the past, but some of it's also me and when we can lead with that one part of i know some of this is me i know some of me is struggling to trust you with this decision or with this choice or whatever it is it relaxes the relationship right when we try and control we we inject our relationship with tension we mm-hmm. inject it with hostility we inject it with confrontation and headbutting and power uh, power fighting, you know, where it's just like two people just battling it out for power. But when we can come to the table and say, I know some of this is me, and I think we need to talk about it. It is just going to soften the dynamic and the conversation between you and your partner. So that's one of the best things that I can advocate for.
0: Okay. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Um. That statement feels very open, like two people are willing to talk and and be and figure that out. I hear from a lot of women that their partners have like shut down. so people come to me because they want to grow, and it's usually the woman who is wanting to grow. She's growing or she's about to make that decision, and then something happens in that partnership where he gets defensive. Or I think it's because he's afraid he's going to lose her or something's happening or he's not serving and providing. What's going on there? But it appears it's not open. He's not talking about what's going on, but there's behaviors.
1: Yeah. Behaviors like defensiveness and confrontation or...
0: Or you can't do that. You don't need that support. Uh We can't afford that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, some of it might be that the general I can't afford it or there's financial strain. But I think, I think in general, a part of this, part of this conflict can come up, revolves really heavily around shame. And unfortunately, the intention can be good to say, I want to do the work and I want to improve in our relationship. And the intention can be good when we go, you know, when a woman goes to her husband or her boyfriend and says, hey, I would love for you to work on yourself or do this or do that. And what can be the impact of that is shame. Because it's inherently saying there's something wrong with you. It's inherently saying there's something you need to fix. There's something you need to change. There's something I don't like about you. And so in general, what, because I get messages from women all the time asking me something along the lines of, how do I get them to do the work? How do I get them into therapy or to read a book? Or it's like a daily question that I get. (laughs) No joke. And What I often say is it's frustrating because you can't, you just can't. And if, even if you could coerce him somehow into it, it's probably not going to get the result that you actually want. So what do we do? Well, number one, we, we face our own. I don't want to say helplessness in that moment, but we face our own sense of helplessness because again, when we feel helpless, what do we do back to control, right? I'm going to try and control and manipulate, um, or just coerce somebody or give them ultimatums. That's a very common one, right? If you don't do this, we're done. Or And maybe that might be true. I'm not saying that there's not a case for that. I'm not saying that in certain circumstances, you've been with somebody for five, six months, you want them to work on something, they're unwilling to do it. Maybe it's just a sign that that relationship's not right for you, okay? I'm not saying there's not a case for that. But what I'm saying is that when we approach this from a, I want you to do this, or I need you to do this, or else. What's going to happen is it's going to create resistance towards that man feeling like he has a choice. And when you start to when you start to threaten a man's choice, he's going to push back on you no matter what. He can be the nicest, sweetest, kindest, hardest man. And when you start to infringe on that man's ability to choose independently and sovereignly, he's going to fight back on you. And On the other side of that is he might be feeling ashamed. He might, You might be unconsciously provoking an insecurity within him. He might feel insecure about finances. He might be feeling insecure about your sex life. And here you are saying, I want you to go and work on X, Y, and Z. And he might feel like, ah, crap, you're affirming the insecurity that I've already been feeling. And that's a very hard place to be. I know. Go ahead.
0: I'm like, yes. And how do you lean in? You're going to trigger people, right? Having these conversations. How do you approach it differently?
1: How we approach it is by reinforcing choice and creating openings or invitations. So again, really healthy, thriving relationships are ones where you have two individuals respecting and reinforcing one another's choice as much as humanly possible, mm-hmm. Okay, which is a hard thing to do. It really is because sometimes those choices might go against what we want them to do. Right, The easy thing is to love somebody when they're acting how we want them to act and doing what we want them to do. And the hard thing is to love them when they're not. So that's part of everyone's process is to learn our, learn to love our partner when they're behaving in the ways that we don't necessarily like. Now, of course, there's a line that we can talk about, which is, you know, things that are abusive or abandoning oriented or et cetera. But what we start to do is we create openings and invitations. So instead of saying, I think you should read this book, (laughs) I think you should listen to this podcast, which is you should do this because again, that can be very shaming. That can be very controlling, et cetera, we create openings and invitations. Hey, I thought you might enjoy this podcast episode. Check it out if you want. Let me know what you think. Hey, I thought you might enjoy this book, so I bought it for you. Read it if you want. And if you don't, that's okay. And you can continue to create these openings. Sometimes it's like in sales and marketing, somebody has to see something on on an average of nine times in order to buy it. So you might need a dozen invitations or openings for your partner to step into one thing, listening to a podcast episode with you, reading a book, those types of pieces. So we have to just continue to create an opening and an invitation, yeah. right? And, and to not personalize, and this is the last thing, to not personalize when it's a no. So we start to respect the other person. But openings and invitations are the really big, important piece.
0: Yeah. And that's like how you should talk to every human. It doesn't matter gender. It's like, how would you like to receive that when someone's like, you need to work on this, read this book, listen to this podcast. Is it hard? Are you softening? Are you respecting the other person and how they, do you have any empathy, compassion towards what might be going on for them? Uh, Yes. I've had to learn that as well. And it has been wild in I'm grateful in my home. I'm the only female in the house. And there's so much. And I've noticed because I'm this go-getter control freak who's like, you know, get shit done. That when I don't know, I want to control. And it's just formed to me. And so I've learned a lot about... Well, even gender roles, but also because in our home, the gender role kind of swapped. So, or not swapped, but my husband was the breadwinner and then it completely switched. And my husband and I work together now Mm. and I'm like the the for the front person. And he's like, "You would not be who you are without me, which is a hundred percent true. But he's the soft one. he's he's quieter. I'm like the alpha. And it's been fascinating to navigate that energy in our relationship. But at the beginning, I was judging him as a quote unquote, man. I said this publicly um, ten years ago, I had cancer, a stage four cancer. He worked full- time. I'm staring at him. When I can't work anymore, when I'm sick. And I'm like in my head thinking he's a man, he's going to save me. This is in my head, I'm believing this, but yet I'm a feminine quote, air quotes, right? Feminist woman, independent. And when I when he looked at me like he just shut down, like fight or flight, shut down. Here's my wife on literally stage four cancer. She may die. I'm not saving anybody here. And he just drowned. He and I was like, I can take care of yourself. And we've had these conversations. And I realized I had those beliefs about who he is supposed to be for me. And it it's just been interesting to watch and observe of like, I can lead, I can go do the thing, and he can compliment. And yet he still provides in a very different way. So I just, Mm. what did you take from what I just said? (laughs) It's been fascinating (laughs) to watch how we've navigated that and we're still healthy, alive here.
1: Well, first off, I don't envy what the two of you had to go through. That's incredibly challenging. And my heart goes out to both of you. You know, I don't wish that on any couple. Um, it also sounds like you were quite young, having to go through that with kids, and so I just mm-hmm. just wanted to pause there. I think, <clears throat> I think this brings up for me a broader conversation of what is happening in the social dynamics between men and women in our culture, and the social dynamics relationally, and you know, I think a lot of I think a lot of men have sometimes taken a back seat in, in their relationships. And I think a lot of women have taken over. And I'm not saying that you did that, but I think a lot of women have taken over because it's like, well, if you're not going to drive, then I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and for a lot of cases, you know, you can you can go out and be the go-getter and be the all those things and still want someone who is able to hold uh, a wide berth of space for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two things are are different, right? Like, I think what I hear, if if I am reading between the lines accurately, is that sometimes, and I don't want to make this personal, but you opened the question, so I'm going to answer. But Bring like, it. I think sometimes my guess is that you have a harder time really softening with him. Mm-hmm. And he probably has a harder time really confronting you. And that maybe sometimes your internal narrative of I'm too much or I can be too big or, you know, I can have my way or I can dominate this situation and control it takes over the dynamic between the two of you. And part of that is that, you know, there has to be a boundary on his side, but there also has to be a softening on your side to complement that boundary
0: a thousand percent and i would say yeah we all have our our stories and my coping strategy was hyper independence and letting him in and he just waited and waited and waited and didn't go anywhere and now that softening is there but we've been together for like 18 years And, but watching that of like, what do you want, right? He holds the space. He's like, shine, shine, shine. I feel like we're in a good place where he's like, I don't want to be the front person. I don't want to, I don't need to go out and do the thing. And for a very long time, I think it was me accepting that like he was going to be that support and lead in that way. Does that make sense? I feel like there's this narrative that it's like, whether you are, whatever people want to label it as alpha, there's leader. I see people who feel controlled by their partners and then people who co-create with their partners. And we are in a co-creative state. I would say before, I was like, we got to get shit done. And I was the controller. And I was like, you want this? Come on, let's go. You're not making decisions quick enough. Like we have to go. Where now I can soften and be open to hearing that. And there has been more of an acceptance on my behalf of like, this is who you are. I don't need to change you. I accept you for who you are today, but I still want to challenge you to work on yourself. And I want you to call me out on my shit when I'm being too in your crap too. Hmm. So there's, there's this duality of like just male or female. We're individuals. And who do we want to be? Doesn't mean just because you're a male, you're supposed to be the financial provider.
1: I think here's what I'll say. Our dynamics within North American culture have changed dramatically in the last 20 30 years right it's like 42% of American households women are the either the primary breadwinner or they are out earning their male counterpart and that's a big shift you know i'm not saying that it's wrong i'm not saying any of those things about it as a judgment i'm just saying that's a big shift socially and relationally and it's thrown a lot of couples for a loop because they have probably grown up with some idea of what they think they want their relationship to look like, whether that's economically or support wise, et cetera. And then they get into a relationship or they fall in love with somebody and, you know, let's just say the like the woman wanted to be with a man who makes a certain amount of money, but she fell in love with somebody that makes less than her. And so they get into a relationship together. It's like that's something to sort out. You know, that's something that has to be discussed and talked about. And I do think that leadership providing, protecting all of those things, they can come in a multitude of forms. And so it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, he's making all the money and that sort of like hyper old school, uh, way of being that can be useful and helpful for some people's relationships, power to them. Um. But I do think that for a lot of people, it's about finding where and how you want to be supported and whether or not you are actually willing to soften, to lean into those uncomfortable parts with your partner, um, to drop the... The control and this is for men and women alike, right? because guys we control too. It's not like we're we're foreign to that <laughs> right but can we can I drop my control? can I drop my combativeness? can I drop my you know hyper independent I don't need you mentality? can I drop all of that bs and say right, I love you
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to be with you. I chose you. Let's remember that. let's come back to that because my almost my guarantee is that when you meet your partner from that place, with that energy, with that intention, you are going to produce a different result. And I think part of the challenge is that, and I don't know how else to put this. I know this might step on some people's toes, but c'est la vie. Um, For better or for worse, some relationships, women are trying to out-masculine their partners. And it's, screwing the relationship up. And there are some men that are out, you know, out feminining their partner as well. So it goes both ways. And so for a lot of people who, you know, it's not that you need to stay in those roles or stay in those dynamics forever or indefinitely. That's not what I'm saying either. But when push comes to shove, if you are wanting your partner to be more of a leader. To take more leadership in the relationship, to make you know certain decisions and whatnot, and yet when he does that, you're on him and criticizing it. And It's never the right thing or not at the right time. That's going to stifle him, and vice versa. Right? If when you're being vulnerable and opening up, he's you know like oh what's wrong? what's wrong with you? Why are you crying again? And like oh my god, like it's so emotional. You're probably not going to want to open up. Right, You're probably not going to want to reveal this part of you that wants to be, desperately wants to be in the relationship. And so Mm -hmm. we just have to do a better job of releasing whatever our stories are and getting very honest about what parts of me desperately want to be in the relationship that I am scared to bring that I feel cumbersome or unsure of how to bring. And that might be leadership. It might be softness. It might be vulnerability. I'm not sure. It's different for everybody. But we have to start to have those conversations as a couple. Otherwise, I mean, the relationship's going to go through some very tumultuous times.
0: Yeah. I love this. I could talk to you forever. Um, Connor, talk about your book. Mm. What do you want the reader to walk away with? And what would I learn if I want all the men in my life to read it? What would I learn as a woman reading your book?
1: Well, the book is called Men's Work, and it's a guide to face your darkness and and self-sabotage and find freedom. Um, And so it's very much written for men, but I've had thousands of women read it and absolutely love it because it's given them a lot of context for some of the challenges that men face psychologically and emotionally and it gives a lot of context for what their partners are going through um again if you're wanting to you know if you're wanting your partner to dig into a book like this then buy it and suggest it or say hey i thought you would like this you can you know check it out if you want that's the best way that i have found for men to receive it um but yeah, I had one woman, I had one, just a quick story. I had one woman buy it and she's like, I left it on my husband's pillow and told him that he had to read this. And he told me, no, what do I do? <laughs> I was like, well, that wasn't really a suggestion, was it? <laughs> and
0: I would have been like, how about you read it yourself, right? Yeah, like how right. about we read it and learn about other people, maybe yes. from a different perspective, which will allow us to soften.
1: Yes and that that was my advice was maybe you should read it every night in bed and show him that like you know you're investing in it as well and she did and he ended up reading it as well so uh it's a it's a solid read it'll give you some good insight and the book is chock full of exercises and uh questions for men to actually dig into so yeah Awesome
0: and you have a podcast as well where can everyone or where else can they find you and what do you have coming up this year
1: uh, you can go to Mantalks.com. It's just dot com. The podcast is on there. My book's on there. Uh, we have live weekends where I do really deep sort of therapeutic work with men. Um, it's generally guys that are going through transition or are stuck in patterns that they can't get out of, guys that have childhood trauma, um, stuff like that, PTSD, uh, and just men that are looking to create change but have have felt unable to do so. So the live events, and then I have a um, an online membership with about seven hundred guys from around the world called the Alliance. Um, so all that's on the website. You can Follow me on social media. It's at Man Talks on YouTube, uh, on Instagram, and yeah, those are the big ones.
0: Thank you, Connor. And i I just want to say, last year when I was really scared raising a young man, I was frantically searching for men who were leading in this space. And I, like, it makes me emotional. I just want to say thank you for doing the work that you do. The world needs it. And thank you for not giving up.
1: Mm, Thanks. Thanks for being a great boy, mom.
0: Thank you. If you are an ambitious woman who feels like you never have enough time, this is for you. I want you to head on over to Heatherchauvin.com forward slash more time. It's 197. It's a one-on-one time audit. Yep. Personalized time audit for you. So you can learn to master your time. So you know exactly where to invest it in order to create a life that feels alive. Whether you are trying to grow and scale your business, whether you are trying to find more time flexibility in your corporate job, or whether you kind of feel lost in the messy middle and you have no idea where to focus first, you're going to get a map, 30, 60, and 90 day plan based on your unique vision. Head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com. Forward slash more time and book your personalized time audit today.